For the benefit of those of you that are watching by live stream or internet, social media, uh, the reason I am dressed the way I am is because I like this. There's just a stronger anointing in black. Hallelujah. No, uh, at the Charity Light breakfast yesterday, I was informed, since I've been out of town quite a bit, I was informed that today would be a, uh, an opportunity for the Charity Light to come dressed in their, their colors. And uh, so they asked if I would do so. And uh, Kenny? <laughs> Amen. I even rode my bike. Hallelujah. Praise God. I look for opportunities to do that. Amen. So those of you that are watching wondering, what in the world is Jerry Seville doing in that outfit? It's because it's Charity Light Day. Praise God. We're, we're honoring our uh, Charity Light Christian bikers. We have chapters all over the world. And for the benefit of those of you that don't know this, we are celebrating 25 years as a ministry of Charity Light. And... Uh, in 25 years, we have documented over 560,000 salvations just through Church Light Christian Bikers. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. And we're not done yet. Amen. We got one more tour left this year in uh, Pigeon Forge. Where's that? Tennessee. And uh, I think it's coming up in September. And those of you that uh, haven't made your plans to go, if you can possibly attend, it'll be a great time. Not only we're having uh, uh, meetings and teaching sessions with our leaders and, and presidents and area leaders, but also I have purposely selected this particular time of the year because they're having a car show during the time we're there, <laughs> praise God. Hot rods and classic cars and... And uh, we came through there one time a number of years ago at this same time, and we didn't know that they was having this big car show. I said, man, we got to make, make a note of that and come back when, we're, when it's going on so that we can attend that, praise God. So we got a twofold purpose. Amen. So it's going to be fun. So uh, even if you don't like motorcycles, if you like classic cars, boy, they got, they're, they're spread out all over Pigeon Forge. And uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, praise God. I just returned from uh, England with Brother Copeland last week. We were there doing the victory campaign, celebrating 40 years of ministry in the UK. And I've been privileged to preach in all of the meetings that he's been doing there for the last 40 years. And uh, boy, we had a great meeting. Wonderful meeting. Packed out crowd, good anointing, and just a... A wonderful time. So thanks for your prayers. And then um, I'm leaving, I believe, Wednesday to go out to California to do a, a meeting and just be out a couple of days. But we appreciate you praying for us and uh, believing God with us for just a stronger anointing. And it is happening. Yes. The anointing is just increasing. Seem like every meeting, praise God. So we appreciate that. Have your Bibles with you this morning. Let's open them, first of all, to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And there's some things I want to say before I read these verses. As you know, our theme this year is based on the prophetic word the Lord gave me, stating 2023, the year for the maximum and the highest level attainable. I believe what God is doing is He's endeavoring to challenge us to set our sights for higher going further, going higher. How many of you have enjoyed the blessings of God up to now? How many of you believe there's even more to come? I've, I've been extremely blessed over the last 54 years, but I know that there is more to come, and I intend to be right in the middle of it, praise God. Be in position to just continue to experience God's best in my life. Amen. So why settle for anything less? Jesus talked about in Mark chapter 4, and this is something that uh, we talked about when I first began bringing this prophetic word back in October of 2022. And I just want to go back to it for a moment. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus talked about 
the various levels of fruitfulness in people who hear and receive the word of God. He said in Mark 4 verse 20, some bring forth fruit 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Assuming that 100-fold is the highest level attainable, then why would we settle for 30 or 60? Amen. Amen. Now, 30 and 60 is wonderful. In fact, I, I remember times when 10-fold, I shouted. <laughs> Amen. And, you know, I, I remember some times when things were real lean, you know, and just being able to say, I survived was a great testimony. Anybody ever had that testimony? I survived. And then, you know, after you're going through survival mode, then, you know, going to a little higher level, that was exciting. But then once you get to a higher level, you just want to keep going higher. You just want to keep going higher and higher and higher. Amen. So I believe God's called us, as we've already talked about, to be barrier breakers. Amen. So if 30-fold is available and 60-fold is available and 100-fold is available, then why not go for 100-fold? For example, if I was to lay three $10 bills right here on this podium and then right next to it, six $10 bills and then... 10 $100 bills and told you that you have the right to select whichever pile you want. Why would you get the three $10 bills when you have access to the $1,000 bills? Amen. Anybody want to play? <laughs> well, bring your money up here. Praise God. Amen. So why, why, would, why would anybody settle for three $10 bills when they could have 10 $10 bills? 100-fold represents maximum. Now, I've looked through the Bible, and I can't find any place else where it talks about more than 100-fold. Now, there is a place in the Old Testament where God told the people that they would be a 1,000 times greater. But he's talking about in size. He's talking about in people. Numbers, okay? Not talking about uh, 30, 60, 100 fold where your uh, harvest is concerned or the fruitfulness from the word that you've received. He was talking about he was going to enlarge their, their crowd, the numbers in their ranks to a thousand fold. I remember one time I got a letter from Oral Roberts. I had sent him uh, some money. <clears throat> for a project he was involved in. And he wrote back and he said, uh, Jerry, uh, thank you for sowing into this project and I'm believing for a thousand-fold return for you. I thought, nobody but Oral Roberts believes for a thousand-fold, you know. I said, I receive it, amen. But <clears throat> typically, you only find in the Bible 30, 60, and 100, and 100 I'm assuming, represents the highest level attainable. So notice here in Mark 4, it says, uh, The sower soweth the word, and these are they. And he described different types of people, different types of soil. And then he said, And some, after they hear the word and receive it, then they have fruitfulness 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So once again, why settle for 30 if you have the potential of a hundredfold. Look at your neighbor and say, it makes sense to me. How about you? All right, now, obviously 30-fold is wonderful. 60-fold is even better. But hundredfold is even greater than that. Would you agree on that? Now, Mark chapter 10, we also talked about this back in October, where Jesus is talking about a potential return on your giving. He told a rich young ruler, the man asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus told him, he said, I've done all of those things. And he said, but there's one thing you lack. See, I want you to have and give to the poor. The Bible says the man walked away grieved at that saying because he had great possessions. So what Jesus was saying to him, the one thing that is missing in your life is you, 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 you're not a giver. 
You're not a sower. He said, sell what you have and give to the poor. And it, and it caused him to walk away grieved. And, and Jesus made this statement. How hard is it for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God? He didn't say impossible. He just said it's hard. And then the disciples, hearing him, said, and particularly Peter, James, and John, they said, well, then who then can be saved? Because they're assuming that what they had given for the gospel's sake and for Jesus' sake, they gave it not because they were poor. In fact, they gave it the day that they had the greatest day in the fishing business. They bought a, they, they, they had a boat sinking, net breaking load of fish. And they walked away from it to follow Jesus. And so they said, well, then who can be saved? In other words, in, uh, insinuating that they were not poor when they went to follow Jesus. Amen. Uh, a poor man would have said, boy, we got it made. If it's hard for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God, we're poor people. We got it made. But that's not how they responded. They said, who then can be saved? So what they're saying is, we, we gave our all. And we gave it when we were having our finest hour in our fishing business. And we gave it all. And Jesus then made this statement. No man has given for my sake or the gospels, and he shall not receive a hundredfold in this time. So notice the hundredfold. Maximum. Amen. Maximum. Highest level attainable. Can you say amen? amen. So if hundredfold is available, then why would we accept anything less? Now, I've said this before in some of the previous services. Carolyn and I were forced to believe for hundredfold. Because tenfold wouldn't help us. Thirtyfold would help a little bit. Sixtyfold would have helped more. But we needed hundredfold. And the first time we heard this preached, we, we, we decided to believe for a hundredfold. Amen. See, we hadn't gotten around a lot of Christians yet that told us that's passed away. It's not for us today. You can't have it. No, we just, we heard it and just believed it. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. And so we, we were forced <clears throat> to believe for a hundredfold because I had business debts I was trying to pay off. We had personal debts we were endeavoring to pay off. And it was going to take hundredfold to do that. So that's what we began believing for. That didn't happen overnight. Didn't happen in a matter of a few weeks. Didn't happen in a matter of a few months. But eventually, praise God, we experienced hundredfold. We've experienced hundredfold many times since those days, praise God. In fact, I'm believing for a hundredfold right now. And every once in a while, I'll just sit down and I'll go back and, and look at my uh, check stubs of my giving. And just add it all up. And say, what would hundred times be on this? That's almost mind-boggling. And that's the reason a lot of people can't handle it because, you know, they think, well, that's not possible. Well, somebody needs to tell Jesus. All things are possible to him that believeth. Are there any believers in the house? Hallelujah. Just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean it's not possible. Amen. Just because you haven't been to the moon doesn't mean that it's not possible. Amen. Just because you haven't gone 300 miles an hour in a quarter mile doesn't mean it's not possible. It is possible. Somebody's done it. In fact, many have done it. Once that barrier was broken, they, all, they do it almost every, every drag race now. I've, I've been there and watched Kenny Bernstein go 300 miles an hour in a quarter mile. Back in my day, 100 miles an hour in a quarter mile was tops. And we were glad to do that. Now, 300 miles an hour in a quarter mile? 
Oh my goodness. And then once he broke that barrier, I mean, they're doing it just about every drag race. So just because you've never been 300 miles an hour in a quarter mile, doesn't mean it's not possible. Just because you've never received a hundredfold, doesn't mean it's not possible. Let's elevate our thinking. Let's come on up another level or two or three or four or five. Amen. So notice once again, Jesus talked about hundredfold, hundredfold. And I'm assuming that that represents the highest level attainable. I understand hundredfold seems impossible, unattainable. But if it was unattainable, then Jesus would have never brought it up. Amen. I didn't write this, folks. I'm just a believer. If he didn't mean it, he shouldn't have put it in my copy of the book. Because once I find it, I'm going for it. If nobody else goes for it, I'm going for it. Hallelujah. Somebody asked me one time, Brother Jerry, have you received a hundredfold on every seed you've sown? Not yet. Did you notice not yet? I'm not giving up on it. Hallelujah. Now, you remember there was a man that said after the prophet gave a prophetic word in an impossible looking situation. It's recorded in 2 Kings chapter 7 when God's people were totally outnumbered. Supply lines were cut off. Nobody was, had anything to eat, not even the rich. And the prophet stood up before them and said, this time tomorrow. In 24 hours, all this is going to change. And one of the members of that church said, if God were to open the windows of heaven, this wouldn't be possible. And the prophet said, oh, it's going to happen. And you'll see it, but you won't partake of it. Don't be that person who's on the outside looking in. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm an insider. Amen. So even though something might sound impossible and we've never experienced it before, does not mean that it can't happen because all things are possible to him that believeth. And if you read that story, it did happen. Within 24 hours, that impossible situation was totally changed, totally reversed, totally turned around. And the man saw it, but he did not partake of it. So don't be an outsider. Dare to believe. How many of you remember the old song, only believe, only believe, all things are possible, only believe? I remember when uh, we first moved to Fort Worth, uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin had come to do a meeting in Bob Nichols' church. And at that time, Bob's church was on Berry Street. And right next door across the street from it was Brother Copeland's office. It had actually been his dad's office. And when he went into the ministry, Brother Copeland went into the ministry, his dad allowed him to have a couple of offices in his office. And that's where I was when I came to work here for Brother Copeland. And uh, my office actually was the hallway. (laughs) Every time somebody had to use the bathroom, I had to leave my office because the bathroom was at the end of the hallway, you know. And uh, so... Brother Hagen came one week and, and uh, we all were going to go to the meeting. And uh, Vicki Jamison, anybody remember Vicki Jamison? Vicki Jamison uh, sang in Brother Hagen's meeting and the theme song was Only Believe. Only Believe. All things are possible. Only Believe. And she'd start singing that when Brother Hagen got ready to minister to the sick. And our girls, Jerry and Terry, they were just real little. And we'd get home. Just as soon as we get home, they'd line their baby dolls up on the stairway, staircase. And Jerry Ann was Brother Hagen. And Terry was Vicki Jamison. And Jerry Ann would walk in front of all them babies and knock them over. Because every time Brother Hagen would pray for them, they'd fall out under the spirit. And Jerry Ann would say, receive your healing and knock them over. And Terry Lynn said, only believe, only believe, all things are possible. So they were playing Kenneth Hagen and Vicki Jamison. That's a great way for kids to grow up. Play Kenneth Hagin and Vicki Jameson. Amen. But that was the theme song. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. 
So take the limits off of God. Go for the maximum, praise God. Amen. Now, let's um, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And the Lord gave me this message while I was with Brother Copeland last week in, in um, England. I didn't preach it there. Uh, I, I took, wrote the notes while I was in the hotel. And I was saving it up for today, praise God. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 9. And let's look in verse 9. But this I say, he which spareth or soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you always having all sufficiency in all things. Notice how many times the word all is mentioned in that verse. That you will always have all sufficiency in all things and may abound unto every good work. Now notice what he says. That you will have all sufficiency In all things. One commentary says this. You will become fully equipped. With more than is adequate. To accomplish the plans and purposes of God. In your life. I like that. Sufficiency. From the literal Greek means. To be equipped with all that is needed. And then some. To be equipped. With all that is needed. And then some. In other words more than enough. And here he is talking about being, uh, having all sufficiency in all things. Now, and once again, so that you will have more than enough to fulfill every plan and every purpose that God has for your life. Now, we all know Jeremiah chapter 29, that God does have plans for our life. The Amplified Bible says in verse 11, For I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace. The word welfare here means exemption from misfortune. Hallelujah. Exemption from misfortune. It also means the enjoyment of God's blessings, which bring prosperity and happiness. So once again... God has plans and purposes for everybody in this room, everybody that's watching by live stream. God has plans and purposes for your life, and it is for welfare and peace. Once again, welfare, the exemption from misfortune. God does not want you experiencing misfortune. Amen. It also means the enjoyment of God's blessings that bring prosperity and happiness. Now the message translation says, I'll show up and take care of you as I promised. I have it all planned out. Plans to give you the future that you've hoped for. How many of you have a, a, a future you're hoping for? Amen. How many of you are looking beyond just today? How many of you are looking at least a year down the road? How about five years down the road? The Bible says that he has plans to give you the future that you hope for. Amen. Anybody hoping for a a better future? Anybody hoping for better days than what you've lived up to now? Even if they were good days, God has better days. It never ends with God. It just gets better and better and gooder and gooder. Amen. Praise God. So even if there were good days, God has better days in store for you. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now the message translation says it this way, The Lord who started this great work in you 
will keep at it. Hallelujah. He will keep at it. Now, when I look back on my life 54 years ago, where I was then, and where I am today, I can attribute every success to God. It's not because Jerry Savelle's so good, not because Jerry Savelle's so smart. It's because God is so good and God's so smart. Yes. Greatest revelation you may ever receive in your life is God is smarter than you. Yes. Amen. And the success that I've enjoyed all these years, it's because of God in my life. It's because I've looked to him. It's because I've trusted him. I've, I've endeavored to put his word first place in my life. And yet the Bible says that uh, he will keep at it. The work that he has begun in me, he will keep at it. So I, that leads me to believe that I'm not done yet. That there's more to come. There's better to come. Hallelujah. Amen. And my life has been awesome up to now. Now, that's not, that not to say that I haven't had adversity. I've had adversity just like you do. In fact, in some regards, I experienced more adversity than some of you because to whom much is given, much is required. Some of you will never go through the attacks that we go through. But God has been faithful all the way. That's my testimony. God has been faithful. Never let me down, praise God. Hallelujah. I believe I'll just give him a shout right now. Glory to God. God has been faithful. And notice once again, it says this great work in you, he will keep at it. Hallelujah. What do you suppose God is working on right now behind the scenes that we don't know anything about that is about to manifest? Amen. That ought, to, that ought to take you home with a smile on your face. Praise God. The Lord who started this great work in you will keep at it. And then listen to this and bring it to a flourishing finish. Bring it to a flourishing finish. Somebody shout over the flourishing finish, praise God. Flourishing means to the point of thriving and increasing in every way. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm headed for a flourishing, a, a, a flourishing finish. <laughs> now let's try that again since I messed up, okay? Tell somebody next to you, I am headed for a flourishing finish, a thriving finish. I'm not done yet. God's not done with me yet. The best is yet to come. So go ahead and give him your best shout. Hallelujah. Amen. To the point of thriving and increasing in every way. That sounds like to me having all sufficiency. Now, Psalm 20 and verse 4. Let's go there, please. Hold your place in 2 Corinthians. Psalm 20. Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. The Passion Translation says, May Yahweh... Give you every desire of your heart and carry out every plan as you go into battle. Amen. What battle is he talking about? Well, our battle is not with flesh and blood, principalities and powers and so forth. Uh, we have an enemy and his name is Satan. And it says that may God or Yahweh give you every desire of your heart and carry out every plan as you go into battle. So obviously Satan will do everything he possibly can to stop you from flourishing, stop you from experiencing uh, uh, the maximum and the highest level attainable and, and keep you from experiencing every plan succeeding. But listen to verse 5 from the Passion Translation. When you succeed, we will celebrate and shout for joy. Flags, listen to this, flags will fly when victory is yours. And notice in both of those verses, it didn't say, if you succeed, and if you are victorious, it says, when, hallelujah. 
Look at your neighbor and tell him, it's just a matter of time. And I will be victorious. Hallelujah. Flags are going to fly from heaven. And shouts are going to come from heaven over the victories that I'm headed for. And I believe I'll just join him right now. Give the Lord another shout. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So once again, that sounds like having all sufficiency. Amen. When you succeed, we will celebrate and shout for joy. Flags will fly when victory is yours. Amen. Then go to verse 7 and 8 from the Passion Translation. It says, Our boast is in Yahweh our God, who makes us strong and gives us victory. And listen to this. Our enemies will not prevail. Hallelujah. That's good news. Praise God. Even though it may look like Satan is winning, the Bible says that he will not prevail. So just stay in faith. No matter what's going on around you, just stay in faith. Keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on his word. Don't give up. Don't turn back. Watch your mouth. That's probably the most important lesson you'll ever learn. Watch your mouth. Your words can make you. Your words can break you. Your words carry victory. Your words carry failure. Amen. Your words carry success. Your words carry defeat. Watch your mouth. The lady said, you mean to tell me we've got to go back to watching what we say? My answer to that was, why did you ever quit? Why did you ever stop? So notice, your enemy will not prevail. Now, do you remember what David said after God delivered him out of the hands of Saul? Saul was trying to kill him. David's hiding in a cave and he's, and he's living in a harsh life in the wilderness. And here's what David said in Psalm 18, verse 19. Talking about how God delivered him. He brought me forth also into a large place. A large place. Everybody say a large place. Some commentaries refer to this large place as a place of freedom, a place of comfort, and a place of plenty. Amen. He he went from a place of confinement to a place of no restraints. How many of you would like to go from confinement to no restraints? Amen. That's a large place. A large place. Look at somebody and tell them, I'm headed for my large place. If you just stay in faith, that's what God has prepared. A large place, a place of freedom, a place of comfort, and a place of plenty. Uh, another trend, uh, commentary describes it as a place without restraints and a place where there is no lack. A large place. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, I remember when Carol and I uh, had the opportunity for the very first time to go to Honolulu back in 1972. And, and we, we believed God for the money to go. And uh, we, we found a tour that was available. And it cost uh, $1,900 a piece for the flights, for the hotel, $1,900 a piece. And, and we were stretching it to believe God for that. You know, approximately $4,000. Now, that didn't count food. That's just a flight, you know, for both of us, round trip. Braniff, out of, out of Love Field. And uh, about $4,000. Didn't include food. We got over there and we're part of this tour group, so we had to, you know, be everything that the tour did and, uh, you know, get on a bus and ride around with everybody. And, and I remember that first day, that bus driver, when we got to the bus driver, he welcomed everybody and wanted to know if it was their first time to come to Honolulu. Most everybody said yes. And he said, uh, I've been asked many times, what is the correct pronunciation? Is it Hawaii or Hawaii? And he said, um, it's Hawaii. 
And one person said, thank you. And he said, you're welcome. (laughs) I don't know why that stuck in my mind, but I'll never forget that. And so here we are riding with this tour group, you know, and, and, uh, and finally we get to our hotel and it wasn't much to speak of, but we're in Hawaii, you know, and, and, and there was a place back in those days called Perry's Smorgasbord. And it, you, you could eat there all you could eat for what, about $2 and 50 cents a piece. And, and, and boy, we, we went to Perry's every meal. And then we wanted to buy the girls a gift, you know, and they were just real little. My mother was keeping them, came here to Fort Worth and was staying in our, in our home, uh, that we were renting and, uh, stayed with them. And we could only afford to buy both of them a little grass skirt and, and the little coconut top, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, and a, and a little, uh, uh, hula baby doll, you know, and that, that was all we could afford that we brought back to them. And then we started believing to be able to go to Hawaii because we just fell in love with the place. And, and even though the first trip, uh, we were on a, a budget and we, and we didn't have anything left over when we got home. I mean, we, sp- we spent every dime we had just to enjoy Hawaii for a couple of weeks. And then we started believing God that we're going to be able to go back and, 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 and we have. We've, we've been going back now for over 40 years. No, 50 years. In fact, this past July, uh, we celebrated our 50th year going to Hawaii on vacation. Amen. And the hotel we stay in now, my room is a large place. Oh, I have a large place. Isn't that right, Carol? It's a large place. I can look out. When I wake up in the morning, I like the drapes open. When I wake up in the morning, I just raise up and look at the ocean in front and then look off to the left and see Diamond Head and then look off to the right and see all the boats in the, in the harbor over there, you know, and it's wonderful. I'm a, in a large place. Hallelujah. See, God will take you from confinement to no restrictions. No restraints. Amen. Why is that so hard for people to believe? Well, when you've been there, when you've experienced it, then you, you wonder, well, why isn't everybody experiencing it? Amen. Why doesn't everyone experience it? Because some people just refuse to believe that it could happen to them. Amen. How many of you have ever dreamed of going to Hawaii? Stand up. Why, why, why can't you go? You're not going with your wife? Huh? Okay. Well, if you want to go, okay. you go? Why couldn't God make that happen for you? Is he El Shaddai or is he not? I can't find anywhere in there where he's El Chipo. It's El Shaddai. God can make that happen for you. Write the vision. Make it plain. Amen. Go home today if you haven't done so already and, and get a picture of Hawaii. Like, like Terry teaches people all over the world, create a vision board. Put, put the picture of Hawaii on there. In fact, take a picture of you in your swimming suit. Nah, some of you better not do that. Take, her a pic- take a picture of the person you'd like to look like. And put them in the picture of that picture of Hawaii and say, that's where I want to go and that's what I want to look like. Amen. Father, I'm asking you to make that happen for these people. 
You made it happen for Carolyn and I. You're no respecter of persons. Make it happen for them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And you say, I receive it. And give the Lord a good shout. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't know if you know it or not, but during the millennium, I will be governor of the Hawaiian Islands. Hallelujah. I've been saying that for years. In fact, they, 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 a lot of the people we know over there, uh, particularly in the hotel we stay in all the time and, and the ch- church I preach in every January, Arden Kuna's church, uh, and churches I preach in in Maui, they all call me the governor. In fact, they, they made a cap for me. It's got all the islands across the front and underneath it, governor. So come visit me. But don't wait till the millennium. Come on over, praise God. The water's fine. Hallelujah. Praise God. God can make that happen for you. Dare to dream a bigger dream. Amen. Now, once again, this large place that David is speaking of, it's a place without restraints and a place where there is no lack. That's where God wants to take us. Amen. One translation says that the reason God did this for David was this. He was favorable toward him. Oh man, that that covers it right there. How many of you know you have the favor of God? You have access to the favor of God. Man, every time I see the word favor, my antenna goes straight up because that's me. When you talk about the favor of God, that's Jerry Seville. God did this for David because he was favorable toward him. Amen. And the Bible says in Psalm 8 that, that the blessing of the Lord and the favor of God is on his people. And Psalm 5 says that uh, it, it's, you're surrounded by it, praise God. So you can go to your large place simply because God will be favorable Toward you, Hallelujah, Amen. If you felt hemmed in, if you felt confined and limited by your circumstances, then set your heart right now to believe that God is going to take you to your large place. God is going to take you into this place of no restraints, Amen. Now let's go back to Second Corinthians chapter nine. You thought I forgot that. Second Corinthians chapter 9, and let's read that phrase once again. For the benefit of the title of this message, God wants to take you to the place of all sufficiency, having all sufficiency. Hallelujah. And God is able. God is able. How many believe God is able? How many believe God is able to arrange that trip for you for Hawaii? God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Now, do you remember when Jesus asked this question to his disciples? It's found in Luke chapter 22 and verse 35. He said, when I sent you, Lacked ye anything? And they said, nothing. They lacked nothing. It's never been the will of God for his people to experience lack. It's never been the will of God for his ministers to experience lack. Amen. He asked them plainly, did you lack anything? They said nothing. In Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 7 when God's people had journeyed through the wilderness, he, re, he reminded them of this. Deuteronomy 2, 7. For the Lord thy God blessed thee in all the works of thine hand these 40 years. The Lord thy God hath, hath been with thee. Thou, la, thou hast lacked nothing. Is that up there? No. All these 40 years, he said, you didn't lack anything. Why? Because the Lord your God was with you. 
In Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 9, he said to them, When you enter into the promised land, thou shalt not lack anything in it. Amen. We're talking about Old Testament. We have a better covenant founded upon better promises. If it's not the will of God for them to lack under the Old Testament, then it's certainly not the will of God for us to lack under the New Testament. Can you say amen? Why do Christians lack? Because most of the time we don't know any better. We just think we're just supposed to go through this. Well, Satan is going to attack you no matter what. Whether you have money or whether you don't. Amen. He has no regard for any human being whatsoever. He attacks the poor just like he does the rich. He attacks the sick just like he does the healthy. He attacks the, uh, you know, uh, those that are at the highest level just as much as he would the people that are at the lowest level. He has no regard for humanity whatsoever. Amen. He's, he's consumed with the idea of kill, steal, and destroy. David declared in the book of Psalms, Psalm 34, verses 8 through 10, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. No want to them that fear him or reverence him. And then it goes on to say, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Hallelujah. Now, I can only come to this conclusion. If we are constantly lacking things, could it be we're not seeking the Lord? Those who seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Amen. Are we, are we seeking God or are we not? Now, I, I, I beg to differ from the person who says, well, I'm seeking God and this is not happening for me. Well, then either you or God has missed it. And if I got to pick one, you're it. Amen. Because I'm going with the Bible. Those that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Amen. That sounds like having all sufficiency in all things. Now, go with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And if you remember the Apostle Paul said to this group of people that you have, you have, and I'm paraphrasing, you have stuck with me from the very first time you heard me up until this present time. You've been my partner. This is a partner letter. You've been my partners. In fact, the reason they wrote this letter from prison is because they sent one of the members of the church with a gift for him. And he's responding by writing this letter to them. Okay, and he says, now you have, you have been with me from the very beginning right up until this present time. Now, some theologians say that by the time he wrote this letter to the church in Philippi, that his relationship with that church was 10 years. Some even say possibly 20 years. So we can say, based on what theologians say, that this relationship is anywhere between 10 and 20 years. And they have been his partners for 10 to 20 years. Amen. I, I, I love it when I, I, I have people come up to me and, I, and more and more frequently I hear it. I, I was in Australia not too long ago and, and people came up to me and said, Brother Jerry, I've been your partner ever since the first time you came to Australia. That was 1984. And I've been your partner all these years. I hear people say, Brother Jerry, I've been your partner for 40 years now. That's the greatest compliment anybody can give me, is they trust me with their seed. Okay? Now, notice Paul says that you've been with me since the very beginning. And, And once again, you sent a gift. 
And he's responding to their generosity. And he says this to them in verse 15. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Now, the first time I read that, I thought, that's got to be a misprint. With this great man of God and all the churches that he, he imparted into, that he would say, this is the only church that partnered with him? What happened to all the rest of them? Well, just like today, people come and people go. I've had people partner with me and you'd, 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 you would think by what they're telling me, if it hadn't been for me and my ministry, they'd be in the grave today. And thank God we came across you. Thank God the day we first heard you. And then you, you wonder what happened to them? I'm still the same man. I haven't changed my message. You can go back and listen to me 45 years ago, and I'm still preaching the same thing I was 45 years ago. I just know more about it, and I've got more testimonies from it. But I haven't changed the message in the least. Amen? I'm still the same person. To know me is to love me. But people come and go. But here he says... You've been with me since the beginning. You've been with me since the beginning. And he says, as a result of what they just did in sending him a gift, look at verse 17. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all. I have all and abound. I'm full. I have all. I abound. I'm full. The Amplified Bible says, I have everything I need and I am amply supplied. Hallelujah. And he's writing this from prison. I have everything I need and I'm amply supplied. And then, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says this to them. Now, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. As he's writing this partner letter, the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. As he's writing this letter. You know, many times when I'm writing partner letters... I receive an inspiration from the Holy Spirit, something I didn't think about when I started that letter. And I'll, and I'll add it to my letter. That's what he's doing. And he said, as he was commending them for continuing their partnership with him, he says, and because of your gift, I am amply supplied. And then suddenly the Spirit of God impresses him to write this. Now my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. And remember, this was written to partners. Not just the everyday Christian. Okay, I lost my crowd on that side. This is written to faithful, generous, consistent partners. Amen. And this is God's promise to that group of people. He will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That sounds like to me having all sufficiency in all things. Come on, give the Lord a shout if you believe it. Praise God. Amen. Now, I was recently in uh, the UK uh, a few weeks before I went back uh, to be with Brother Copeland in his meeting there, celebrating 40 years. And uh, uh, a pastor friend of mine, where is it? He was actually born in Greece. And every time I'm with him, I've known him since about 1981. Every time I'm with him, after the service, we'll go to his office, maybe have a 
cup of tea and a sandwich or something. And I'll ask him to share with me Greek words and Greek meanings. And every time, I, I sometimes we stay there to one o'clock in the morning just, just listening to Greek definitions. I'll say, what does this mean? What does this scripture mean? How does it read in the Greek? And he recently, and I'd tell him, I'd say, Chris, you need to put this in a book. I've been telling him that for years. You need to put this in a book. And recently, when I was there, he presented me the book, and he gave me, he gave me a, 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 an honor in the book that Brother Jerry encouraged me to write this along with others. And he said, and I entitled it, It's Greek to Me. It's Greek to Me. Now, he was born in Greece. In fact, he and I have been talking years that, that I want to go to Greece with him. And I want him to give me a tour and, and, and study the Greek language with him while we're there, praise God. I'm looking forward to doing that someday. So recently, as I said, when I was there, he gave me that book. And uh, he also, if I can find it, I got it in my notes here somewhere. Yeah. From Philippians 4.19, and it's in real fine print here, uh, some things that he shared with me about the word. No, that's not it. That's something Brother Copeland gave me. It's good too, but that's not what I'm looking for. Hold on. Sing only believe while while I'm waiting. (laughs) Only believe, only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. We believe he will find it. We believe he will find it. Come on, come on, come on. I'm getting close. Ah, Notes from the book, it's all Greek to me. In Philippians 4.19, there are one, two, three, four, Five Greek words which are translated supply, all, need, according to, and riches. Now, I can't pronounce the words. They're there. I can't pronounce the words. But the word supply in the literal Greek means to make full or to fill up completely. It implies to fill to individual capacity or to the extent that is fully supplied. It also means paid in full. Then the next Greek word translated all, my God will supply all your need. The word all means every part, total picture, one piece at a time. Then the next Greek word translated need my God shall supply all your need, refers to anything that is necessary for life and can be applied to things that are needed for sustenance and even business. The fourth Greek word that is translated according to, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory, is literally means Day-by-day occurrence. Day-by-day occurrence. And then the fifth word, translated riches, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. It means wealth, abundance of belongings, possessions, uh, to abound, and is used when referring to material affluence. So from these words, Chris writes we can clearly see that God, because of your generosity, wants to fill to individual capacity your each and every need, one piece at a time, day by day, by way of his limitless wealth and the abundant possessions of him who rules and reigns in glory, Christ Jesus. Wow, isn't that awesome? I think I'll read that again. From these Greek words, we can clearly see that God, because of your generosity, 
wants to fill to individual capacity your each and every need, one piece at a time and day by day, by way of his limitless wealth and the abundant possessions of him who rules and reigns in glory, that is Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. That sounds like all sufficiency in all things. How about you? Does that sound that to you? Amen. Praise God. All right, now. 11.22. Get back to my message. Now, it becomes pretty obvious when you read Philippians chapter 4. That once again, he's talking to generous givers. Consistent givers. Amen. This is, this is the prerequisite for experiencing sufficiency in all things. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse eight says the, the very reason that Paul told the believers in Corinth that God was able to provide for them all sufficiently was because of the principle of consistent Generous giving. Now, a lot of people, a lot of Christians, they would love to be able to have all sufficiency in all things. But the question is, do they qualify? That's for every Christian. But there are principles that must be applied. Amen. And every time you see this uh, abundance and God supplying every need, it's connected to people that are consistent, generous givers. Amen. Amen. You got to start somewhere. Even if it's small, be consistent and don't quit. Verse 6 in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. The Amplified Bible says, He who sows generously will also reap generously and with blessings. And the message translation says, A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. And lavish means characterized by extravagance. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 11. Verse 25, the liberal soul shall be made fat. And the word fat in the literal Hebrew means very prosperous. The liberal soul shall be made fat. The Passion Translation says, generosity brings prosperity. Those who bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. Amen. Generous generous people will always be blessed by God. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22 says, And the blessing of the Lord maketh rich, or produces a rich life. Amen. Proverbs 22, 9, from the Passion Translation. When you are generous to the poor, you are enriched with blessings in return. Enrich means increase in quantity. Psalm 112 speaks of a person who disperses, And is a consistent giver. And verse 3 says, And wealth and riches shall be in his house. The Passion Translation says, Life is good to this person. Life is good. Hallelujah. How many of you are able to say, Life is good right now? Amen. And then verse 7 from the Passion Translation says, Listen to this. They will not live in fear or dread of what may come. Hallelujah. There's a lot of people living in fear and dread right now of what is coming. And it looks like, you know, for the most part, uh, things are not looking real well. But God's promise to the generous giver is that they will flourish, that they will have more than enough, and they will not fear or dread of what may come. When you... When you become a generous sower, 
then God will see to it that your needs are met and plenty left over for you to get involved in the needs of others. In other words, God will make you a reservoir. A reservoir. Hallelujah. And boy, when you are a reservoir, life is good. Hallelujah. Praise God. How many of you want to be a reservoir? Amen. So God is promising that if you're a generous sower, then you qualify for this all-sufficiency lifestyle that you will have more than enough for your needs and plenty left over to get involved in the needs of others. And once again, that's how you describe the good life. Hallelujah. Amen. When you don't live just for yourself, but you live to be a blessing to others. Blessed to be a blessing. Praise God. Amen. If you receive that, give the Lord a good shout of praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. Father, I've endeavored to deliver your word today. To the best of my ability, I pray that it will not fall to the ground, but will lodge in the hearts of every person who had a heart to receive. And I'm praying in Jesus' name, according to the 16th chapter of Mark, your word says that the disciples went everywhere preaching the word, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. So I'm believing for those kind of results with today's message, that you will confirm this word with signs following in behalf of the people who heard it and received it and will be doers of it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, that you're the generous God. You're the all-sufficient one. You're the God of more than enough. You're the God of, of generosity. You're the God of, 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 of graciousness. And we give you praise and thank you for what you've done in our lives up to this point. But we now know that our future is even brighter and we look forward to this bright future. And we'll give you all the praise for all the good that will take place in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. Hallelujah. Smile real big at somebody and say, I hope you heard the message today. Amen. Give the Lord another shout of praise. Amen.